Hello, world, and welcome to the We Belong Here podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee. I'm hopping in quickly to preface this episode in which I interviewed the incredible Lise Segabart. She and I have a conversation today about her trajectory into tech, and she shares the honest and vulnerable truths that include addiction, domestic abuse, and issues of mental health. It's an important conversation, but I wanted to provide a brief trigger warning before we began. But anyhow, that's enough for me. Let's dive into the interview. Please enjoy. Okay, my guest today is an artist by nature, but took the plunge into tech at age 27. She's a mobile application developer, finishing her degree at Capella University, where she is studying software development, is graduating September of 2020, and aspires to work fully remote in the future. She lives in the Heartland with her boyfriend of three years and is a role model to his eight-year-old daughter. Having overcome these situations herself, she advocates for women in traumatic and abusive situations. She has a deep passion for learning, is a stovetop aficionado, manages stress by pounding the pavement, and has three flavors of ice cream in her freezer at any given time. Her name is Elise Segabart, and I am so excited to be chatting with her today. Welcome, Elise. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Thanks so much again for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to be here. And I can't wait to hear about your love for ice cream because I, too, am wildly enthusiastic and it is turning into a problem. But anyhow, we'll get there. It's never a problem. It is never a problem. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so let's dive in and start at the beginning. Can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Sure. So when I graduated from high school, I had a full ride to college on an art scholarship. Cool. And I didn't want to do art as my profession because it is my passion. So I worked a lot of different jobs, primarily in sales and insurance, but I could never really find somewhere that I felt comfortable. Like I had that creative outlet because I really needed that. So I think tech is where I feel like my creativity and my sales background can synergize. So they can merge together to allow you to be creative, but also understand the business side perspective of it. Yes, totally. Cool. Very neat. What type of art do you like to create? It sounds like you're incredibly creative. I love that. I am a fine arts person. I like to do a lot of mixed media. You know, I can just take different things and piece them together to make art, even like trash you can make cool pictures with using different textures, different paints. But I really like oil painting. That's my forte. But I also like to draw a lot. That is fantastic. That makes, I'm sure that plays for an interesting lens for learning to code. So let's actually, let's talk about that. What was your path to figuring out that you wanted to learn to code and how exactly are you doing it? So like I said, after I graduated high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to Mm do. And so I was living with my ex at his mom's house, who was a senior systems analyst. Mm. And yeah, and so she, I had always been into electronics and laptops, like fixing them and rooting Mm. phones. And so I started asking her questions about what she did. And she explained some basic things to me. She gave me a C++ book and had me create a Hello World program. And I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this. This is so cool. Mm -hmm. So she was also a really independent woman. I mean, she had a nice house. She had financial security and she had the freedom to be there for her family. And she also worked from home sometimes. And it's like, I really liked that. I wanted 
that feeling of being self-sufficient. And it was so crazy because that week I saw an ad for ITT Tech and I just enrolled. Like I didn't even think about it. I just enrolled. And after taking a few classes, I did like HTML, Java, some CSS. I just, I knew I wanted to do software from then on. That's amazing. So let's bring us to today then. Can you tell me more about what you're doing now? So right now I work full-time as a shipping and receiving clerk and When I started this job three years ago, I was on the assembly line producing electronic tablets that are used in the medical field for patient health information. Oh, wow. And I got to see a lot of the agile processes that they used in developing the software, but also in how they build the product. I then got moved to the surface mount technology section, and I operated the $2 million worth of machinery that built printed circuit boards. And so I got moved to the shipping and receiving part when one of my coworkers left to take care of her mother and they needed someone who could work independently to fill the shipping position. And so that's where I'm at today. And then I also go to school at Capella. And I'm currently a senior majoring in software development with an emphasis on mobile applications. And I will be done next year. That is so exciting. Congratulations. That's so soon. Thank you. I know. It just feels like it was just yesterday that I started. What's been your favorite class so far? So far, I really like Java. That is something that I feel is just like at the core of mobile Mm -hmm. applications. It's so versatile, front end, back end. And so I really like the mobile application essentials class. And now I'm in the advanced mobile application development class. It's really cool to see how everything gets put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the beginning of the design to the fully functioning app. Yeah, that feels so incredible to be able to have an idea and put it into action and then use Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah. Congratulations. That's, that's great. So thank you. Let me ask you, Elise, how would you say that your past and all these different roles has helped you as a mobile application developer today? So I would say that my experience in all of my jobs have contributed it in some way. Mm. In my sales roles, my cold calling insurance roles, I learned how to listen closely to um, the client's needs thoroughly and then Mm -hmm. examine those things and then find out what products would benefit them the most. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it also helped me develop relationships with them so I could make them feel heard and valued and then also meet deadlines and sales goals. And especially with the sales, I learned how to market myself and talk to important owners, um, stakeholders, and learn how to communicate properly with them, especially with how they liked to be communicated with. Sure, good point. Yes. And so in my current role, I learned these production processes using the agile principles. And it's so iterative there that a product and software goes through. And I still feel like the team building skills, talking to the stakeholders, the relationships and listening thoroughly to the needs has been the most valuable skills for me to this day. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. I think that that's really cool that you're able to see all these different lessons. We're a part of those different roles and opportunities and now are finding ways to embed them into your current day-to-day. I think that that is such a skill in itself, even so incredibly adaptable, it sounds like. So good on you. What would you say at least kept you from entering the tech industry before you did? So this is where I want to bring my whole self here. I want to help inspire others for people who have been in tough situations. And I would say that this may be a little bit of a trigger warning that I want to say in case there are people who are triggered by abusive situations. So a lot of things kept me from entering the tech industry prior to January 2017. So 
first, it was really not knowing what I wanted to do specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the full ride to college on an art scholarship. But then when I figured out what I wanted to do eight years later and started to do it, I hit another roadblock. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend at the time and I had broke up. Uh, we had been together for eight years and he kicked me out of the house and I didn't have anywhere to go. Luckily, a friend offered me a place to live with her. And I still remember the night that my ex's mom dropped me off at school the night I moved out. And she just looked at me and she's like, don't let this break you. She's, she said, just keep going to school. Okay. And I'm just like, I was so afraid of this, you know, and I just didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. I didn't have a car or a license at the time. And so I went into school. I was an absolute wreck. And I was talking to my classmates and a few of them were gracious enough to offer me a ride to pick me up and drop me off from classes. And so that was a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So then about a year later, the roommate I was living with moved out and I began to date this guy who eventually moved in with me. But I didn't see these red flags at first. The anger, the possessiveness, you know, when you like somebody, it's completely blind. And he ended up being horribly manipulative, controlling and abusive person. And it just went so downhill from there. He made it hard to do anything and eventually made me quit my job and quit school when I had one class left for one class left for my degree. Oh my God. And so I felt so heartbroken that this goal I had was just crushed. And I developed a substance abuse problem and I sank so far into depression. And then six months later, the worst happened and he shattered the left side of my face in three places. I had to have surgery and put plates in my face to reconstruct it. And he went to jail and I stood up for myself. And four months later, I charged him with the assault and he eventually was sent to prison. But I still had to get back on my feet. But that year left me so isolated with no resources or friends, nothing. I didn't even talk to my family because I was so just isolated. So I reached out to this place and I got into a rehab and a transitional living facility where you live there for three months and get back on your feet. And I got my license back and my family gave me a car and I had terrible PTSD at this time. I had terrible nightmares and I was going through intensive therapy and I was just barely alive. I knew though at that point that I was never looking back and I was never lived that kind of life again. Sometime after this, I met a man and my current boyfriend, Nathan, who supported me in turning my life upside right. And I, when I was going through all these changes, I mean, he was literally everything that I knew I deserved off the paper, you know? And on top of that, he was kind and he was accepting of everything I was going through, which was so important at that time because you really feel like you're nothing, you know? And so I moved in with him and I was hanging all these pictures up and I came across this degree from Iowa State. And when I hung it on the wall and looked at it, I was just like, I really want my degree. I, I need to go back and get this. Yeah. And I just knew that's what I just knew that's what I had to do is it was no questions is go back to school and finish this. So then I had another roadblock happen. ITT Tech closed. It closed the previous fall. So I'm just like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Do I have to start over? And I figured there had to be somewhere that these, you know, credits could transfer. I found Capella and they had a transfer program for ITT tech learners, which is amazing. So perfect at that time. But I was still so scared. Like I, so scared. I knew I had a support network now and I felt like it was safe to go and do this, but I still had a very hard time believing in myself. Mm -hmm. And Nathan encouraged me to do it. 
And so I just mustered up all my courage I could and I applied. And so as more and more months went by, I felt more and more confident in myself that I could accomplish my goals because I was seeing the things I was doing. You know, I was just like a small program here, write a paper there, mm-hmm. explain this here, help others understand that, you know, and the discussion boards where I could banter back and forth with people, I felt like I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh, maybe I can do this. This is this is awesome. And so I felt way more confident in myself that I could accomplish all of this and learn at 27. And so here I am now, I'm a year away from graduation and hopefully one one year away from a rewarding career. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I wanted to share this story because it's a part of myself and I want to bring my whole self and I want to help other women that have been in situations like mine, just know that there is a way out. And it just makes it very emotional because, you know, it's so hard when you're in that. And I just want them to know that the cards can feel like they're stacked against you and that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Roadblocks will happen no matter what, but you can find a way to turn them around. Mm. And it's possible to stand up for yourself and build your confidence again. And I just want to say to any women who are in this position that if nobody's told you already, like I am cheering you on. If you reach out to me that I will support you and I will talk to you. Mm. That is my unconventional path into tech is, you know, through addiction, domestic abuse, mental health issues that they're all so very real and they happen to people more than we know. Mm -hmm. And so tech really saved my life in that aspect and gave me that confidence again. And I'm now three years clean I'm living a super rewarding life. Mm. And that's why I really love the message of the We Belong Here podcast, because it inspires me and reaffirms that people from all walks of life that, you know, maybe in an unforgiving environment that we do belong where we want to be. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your story, Elise. And I am in awe of your strength and I'm so happy that you're a part of this community and that you are in tech and it's better because you're here. That was incredibly vulnerable and strong of you to be willing to share that because that's like you said, it's a part of our life that we don't always want to expose to everyone and to share. And I think you being bold and brave and a badass and saying, yeah, I'll be supportive. With you and I will, I will love you. I will care for you, and I will help you get through this. Is such a kind offer as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I don't even want to keep going with our questions because I just think you're so incredible, (laughs) and so I just. I appreciate you sharing just your journey, but also kind of helping us make sense of teasing out the the advice too for others listening. And I think that that's really powerful. And yeah, I just feel really whole hearing about your journey and the path that you took to get here. And it sounds like Thank you. in the end, you're exactly where you needed to end up too. Nathan sounds incredible. It sounds like you've got a great community too. And so uh, I'm just, yeah. You know, yes, grateful for all the different things. So anyhow. Oh, I am so grateful. <laughs> if I just help even one person, you know, just feel like they can do it and that they can change their life around yeah. or get out of a situation or reach out because reaching out for help can be the hardest part yeah. that that will just make my world just bright because that's why I want to share that is to help just even one person. Right. I think that's a good point. It's like naming it and seeing, recognizing your situation can be so incredibly difficult. And so even to ask for help, that's the first step. And that can be yep. huge. Yep. 
So, and would you say that the skills that you learned from the prior experiences in your life uh, and lessons differentiate you from your classmates and your future coworkers, maybe who have taken a, a more traditional route to tech? Yes, I believe that having the kind of experience mm-hmm. that I have gone through puts me ahead of a traditional student who goes to college right out of high school. Yeah. I definitely believe that the level of maturity is one that you just gain from just living and trying to find your way because no, it's not a linear approach. It's not a here to there. It's like a big maze of circles and loop back. When you're trying to find your way, the only way that you're going to get that kind of experience is if you're just in it. It also made me appreciate what I'm doing now much more because I had time to figure out what I like and what I don't like, what I want, what I don't want. Definitely. I think that really, really made my path and my goals much clearer. And through my hard experiences, I learned to respect myself, have compassion for myself and put boundaries where they belong. So I know how I will and I won't be treated Mm, by anybody. I love that. (laughs) Can you you (laughs) share- beyond those that you already have, any more life lessons that you've learned from your transition to tech? Yes, this is a big one for me. And I will try to keep it short because there's just so many things that I could go on and on about. First of all, it's hard. It's hard to balance life. It's hard to balance work and school. And so I feel like schedules and focusing on a life that aligns with your goals mm-hmm. while you are in school or boot camp or whatever you're doing to reach your goals will be huge in succeeding. Mm-hmm. So yes, going out with your friends on a weeknight or weekend sounds fun, but taking care of yourself and your goals has to come first. Yeah. I mean, these aren't things that you can cram into a weekend and then wait until the next weekend to learn more. It's it's literally built Lego block by Lego block and it requires consistency. So taking care of yourself is a big one. It's going to be so busy for a while while you're making this transition and it will require not only doing the workload, but getting enough sleep, getting proper nutrition, exercise, and especially some form of stress management because you're going to have a lot of it. (laughs) Absolutely. And I like to do meditation for my stress management. And I feel like we live in a culture where it's so easy to stay up and get something done or have takeout multiple nights a week or not go to the gym because you're tired. But it's, it's so important to your physical well-being, which helps you make you feel mentally well. Mm I mean, this is this may not work for everybody. It works for me because I'm up every day at 5 a.m. and I have to have a good night's rest. I never stay up late to finish my assignment. That is something I told myself that I will never stay up late to finish an assignment. I'm going to schedule it to fit in before bedtime because sleep is how I get through the next day and through the next day's school load. But most importantly, through all of this, don't give up. There's just going to be so many things that challenge you, but those difficult situations and especially that I have no idea what I'm doing moments <laughs> have always been the time that I learn the most and it's okay to not understand it. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to have some compassion for yourself. I'm new to it. Give yourself a pat on the back and keep trying because it will click. If you just keep consuming content, mm-hmm. that light will go on eventually. No, I think that I really connect to that because I constantly am having those feelings, even in the industry, right? Like, gosh, I don't understand this. And then I have to remind myself, like, that's okay. You're going to. It's all right. You will soon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you will. So, yeah, yes. It's a great it's point. okay. You just have to, it's a practice of repeating it to ourselves quite often. <laughs> yes. It's something I cannot say enough. Like, it's okay to not know it. And 
And if you just keep doing it, eventually it will stick. So many times, week three, every quarter, I have a mini meltdown. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't wrap my head around this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm crying to Nathan. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Did I pick the right path? And that happened for like the first four quarters. And then I'm like, nope, I'm on the right path and it's going to be okay. <laughs> that pattern is a funny one too, because it's like, you can see it, see it and <laughs> yeah. then it still happens again. You're like, no, why? <laughs> You're like, oh. I know this is happening, but I still feel it. It feels real. <laughs> oh, gosh, I really get that for sure. Oh my God. Ugh. Anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell me about a time that you maybe felt like an outsider and how you've dealt with those feelings? I used to feel like an outsider big time because I was not a traditional student. You know, I was starting Mm -hmm. my path in my life at 27. And I think what really helped me going along this journey is discovering that there are so many people out there changing their careers or finding their passion Mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. And it's for so many different reasons. You know, it could be for freedom or financial security, a more rewarding career. I feel like seeing others doing what same thing that I'm doing and listening to podcasts in those transitional areas has really helped me see that I'm not so different after all. Yeah. We're making this normative. I love that. Yes. I absolutely (laughs) love that because it feels very lonely at times when you didn't know that there are other Mm -hmm. people doing that. And so it's really exciting to see that transition in the communities. For sure. And whether it's like attending conferences or meetups or online communities and just banding together as a tribe of like sisterhood of like, yeah, we are here and we're making space for us. I love it. And that's important. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And rising each other up as opposed to being competitive. I think that's really important that for is me a, too, that there is room for all of us yes, at the top. That <laughs> is a huge message that just be kind, you know, be encouraging yeah, to the next sure. person, congratulate them, say a nice thing. It just helps so much. Yeah. I love that. Very much so. Okay. So go ahead. Uh, Elise, do you have any advice for those that are wanting to transition into tech that you'd like to share now? Yes, I do. I have a lot of things, but I will try and keep this short as well. (laughs) (laughs) So a big one is what you think you want to do in tech may not be what you end up doing. Mm. You may fall Mm. in love with another aspect of tech like UX or UI design mobile applications, web dev, or project management. I found a second love for project management and got Project Plus certified. And I could totally see myself managing projects if I didn't do software for some reason. So I think it's really important to not get too focused on just one thing because especially if you're unsure, if you just keep consuming all avenues of development and software, you will find something that makes you happy. And I definitely think that you have to like or love software in order to do it because it does require a lot of intensive learning. So that's another piece of advice, like or love software. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I think it's a really good point too, because I think there's a lot of pressure on people to define what they like specifically in tech when you're learning, like, oh, do you want to be front end, back end, whatever. And so to almost hold off on making those judgments until you've experienced all of the things, or at least dipped your toe into the different spaces is great advice because you never know. And you just might have people in your ear that are wanting to guide you down one particular path. But there's a lot of different places we can go down. So I think, yeah, I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I think it is also very important to find communities or meetups to attend. Mm -hmm. So you can find that network, network of people that you can learn from and talk to because it really is an invaluable resource when you can find somebody who's kind of like a mentor to you and you can just bounce Mm -hmm. questions off. Twitter has a really great tech 
community. Like the Code Newbie hashtag, the 100 Days of Code hashtags are great places to start. Definitely. For people doing the same thing as you. I didn't even know Twitter had a tech community until somebody's like, oh yeah, you should jump on Twitter. They have a lot of tech stuff. I thought they were kidding, but it it has been such an amazing resource. And so- Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Following my passion with helping women, I started a Slack group called Moms in Tech where- These women who are starting or transitioning or already in tech can talk and share experiences, bounce ideas off each other, talk momming questions, share recipes. It has nearly 80 members now, which is more than I even thought. I was like, oh, I'll be happy if like 30, 35 people join. And now we have almost 80. And I'm just like, wow, this has been so amazing. So a big shout out to all the ladies that are in it. They have been so supportive and amazing and such a great resource for everybody banding together. That's great. Well, congrats on that group. That sounds like, oh, you're right. It's so important to have your people to know that you can ask a question and it's a safe space. And I I know that's almost a cliche thing to say at this point, but just to know you can go to someone and say, I've Googled this, I've been looking and I don't get it. And to not feel otherified or vilified or just stupid for wanting to know those things. So absolutely, that's phenomenal. Thank you. Great. So go ahead, Elise, make your shout out. What would you like listeners to go check out? So I like to listen to a lot of podcasts and two I really like was the first podcast I ever discovered was Code Newbie Podcast. They have a lot of a lot of really good stories of people going from XYZ to into tech and seeing how everybody's paths are similar but very different has been really exciting. And the other podcast I would recommend is Getting Apps Done Podcast with Joshua Graham and Kel Piffner. They have been probably like my first two mentors that I've really had. And they answer Mm. all the questions. They've helped me with my resume. They've just been an invaluable resource to me. And so I highly recommend checking out their podcast. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Those are great recommendations for sure. And of course, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter. It's at EliseIs12, E-L-Y-S-E-I-S-1-2. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your experiences, the roles that you've had, but also being so candid in your personal life and sharing your story so that others can connect and also feel strength in the journey that you've taken and the successes that you're finding now that you absolutely deserve. And I just appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability and candor with us today. So it was such a joy, Elise. Thank you so much for chatting today. I really appreciate you having me on here, Lauren. Thank you. Of course. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. And that's a wrap on another episode of We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Be sure to rate and subscribe anywhere you can find podcasts and check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.